Hey everyone, welcome to another Devo with Patrick and Jamie. Patrick, it is Christmas time. I can see you have a Christmas tree in your camera angle here. Yeah, that's right. I have my that's Christmas tree set up. The star on top of your Christmas tree is probably as big as the tree itself, almost. Oh, the thing is big. Yeah, we decided to get a three-foot Christmas tree, also known as a desk Christmas tree. So we got that going here and... Like you said just a moment ago in our little prep, the tree is almost uh, <laughs> as as tall as it is wide. Yes, it is. It's like a little <laughs> fire plug tree. <laughs> fire plug? Whoa. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What the, I don't know if that's the right term. Yeah. Fire plug? Fire plug? I don't know what that means. So anyway. Like a fire hydrant. Yeah. <laughs> They're kind of wide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess so. Uh, so there we go. So that's, I wanted to have a good Christmas tree angle today. Great. It's Wednesday. We're going to go continue going through our, uh, minor profits and Mm. we're going to go through a minor profit that is famous. If you've ever, if you know about in and out on the double, double wrapper, if you've ever read Mm. on the double, double wrapper at in and out, there's a Bible verse and it is Nahum, I think that's how you say it, v- chapter one, verse seven. And so I thought today we would read through Nahum because that's the minor prophet we're in. And we're going to read the whole thing, all of chapter one. It's only 15 verses and kind of have a look at the first little chunk of it. Yeah. So I've heard people say na- Nahum. 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 Uh, I, I guess I'd have to look at the Hebrew and do a botched version of that in my own uh, my own uh, little app I have here to figure it out. But um, I've never had a double double and looked for the looked for that. Oh, I'm that that's a that's a first for me. Okay. Um, okay, let's see if we can find. Yeah, because like In and Out, they have Bible passages on all of their all of their stuff. It's like John three sixteen is on the cup. Milkshake cup has Proverbs 35 or Proverbs three verse five. The hamburger and cheeseburger wrappers have revelation chapter three, verse 20 and the double, double yeah. famous double, double Nahum, Nahum chapter one, verse seven. You know, in, I just, I just looked it up in Hebrew and it's more like Nahum, which would Nahum. be a little more, that's a little too hard for me to say. So Nahum, Nahum. It's, you know, I don't know. We'll just go with it. We'll go with nah, it. Nahum. There we go. Nahum. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, roll with this. Nah, so hum. let's uh, check out the first chapter. It says this. I'll read it. A prophecy concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite. The Lord is a jealous and... Avenging God, the Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is the whirlwind and the storm and clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and dries it up. He makes all the rivers run dry. Bashan and Carmel wither and the blossoms of Lebanon fade. The mountains quake, oh, excuse me. The mountains quake before him 
and the hills melt away. The earth trembles at his presence, the world and all who live in it. Who can withstand his indignation? Who can endure his fierce anger? His wrath is poured out like a fire. The rocks are shattered before him. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. But with an overwhelming flood, he will make an end of Nineveh. He will pursue his foes into the realm of darkness. Whatever they plot against the Lord, he will bring to an end. Trouble will not come a second time. There will be entangled. They will be entangled among thorns and drunk from their wine. They will be consumed like dry stubble. From you, Nineveh, has come has one come forth who plots evil against the Lord and devises wicked plans. This is what the Lord says. Although they have allies and are numerous, they will be destroyed and pass away. Although I have afflicted you, Judah, I will afflict you no more. Now I will break their yoke from your neck and tear your shekels away. The Lord has given a command concerning you, Nineveh. You will have no descendants to bear your name. I'll destroy your images and idols that are in the temple of your gods. I'll prepare your grave for you are vile. Look there on the mountains, the feet of one who brings good news, who proclaims peace. Celebrate your festivals, Judah, and fulfill your vows. No more will the wicked invade you. They will be completely destroyed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. This passage, first first thoughts on reading it today, it feels to me like it is written in the same style as the last chunk of Job. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I like about uh, just some of the imagery that was used really reminds me of uh, when God was talking to Job, like chapter 40. So I don't know why. That's just a first thought. Yeah. Well, I think in this, you see that it keeps saying like the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And again, we've said this in these devos before, but just if you're reading through the Bible and you see the word Lord and it's it's all kind of smaller letters, but all uppercase, that's the specific name of God, Yahweh, um, which is kind of the letters for, for it. Um, so it doesn't actually say the Lord when you read when you read it in the original language, it, it says Yahweh, but you're not supposed to say that. Um, if you're Jewish, you're not supposed to say the name of God. Uh, and so um, I think typically people will read and they might say Adonai um, or another another name for God. What we use is we use the word Lord, the Lord, yeah, um, which is fine. Uh, and that works out just fine for us. But but what's good to pay attention to is we're not talking about a Lord. We're talking about the Lord. We're talking about the specific God who does all this stuff. So when we hear about the Lord is jealous, the Lord takes vengeance, the Lord is slow to anger, um, we see this, this repeated uh, kind of call about who God is and what God can do. Yeah. Um, which is cool. But yeah. it's in the context of another event. Now, a couple little little side note things here that I'm looking up is um, Nahum, 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 however you have Nahum. heard people say it before, 
his name, if you if you break it down, uh, every uh, uh, in Hebrew, a lot of the letters, a lot of words are just three letters, especially verbs. Um, all verbs break down to just three letters, and the three letters of Nahum's name um, are actually form a verb, and it's to regret or to be sorry or to console oneself or to comfort. Oh. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. There's kind of a big difference to regret and comfort, but um, the Hebrew language seems to have a lot of things like that that you wouldn't think a word could mean two separate things, uh, but but it can. So yeah, um, this guy's name, and sometimes names are important in the Bible for what they mean, but his name here uh, seems yeah. to mean um, either to regret or to be sorry or to console or, or to comfort. And I think people have generally in the past have liked the idea of him being a comforter, that his words and his prophecy is uh, a word of comfort. Yeah. So in verse two, we're going to start unpacking this a little yeah, bit. It's like a, let's jump it's in. It's a lot. So we're going to have to do like rapid fire thoughts on all of this. Uh, Talking about the the Lord is a jealous and avenging God, takes vengeance and is filled with wrath, vengeance on his foes and wrath against his enemies. Wow. Dang. (laughs) Yeah. Intense. Now, do you think uh, Nahum is speaking out of personal experience when he wrote this or out of knowledge, scriptural knowledge? Could be both, right? So like... Um, this is in the context of Nineveh. Now, if you remember, you know, you go back to like the book of Jonah and Nineveh was the city that Jonah was supposed to go to and was supposed to tell them, you know, however many was it 30 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. Um, and Jonah is mad and he doesn't want to tell Nineveh that because he knows God is going to repent or God is going to relent. I mean, because the people will repent and Jonah's bummed because he's like, Basically, he's he's thinking, God, why don't you take out these terrible people? Yeah. Um, they're terrible, and I know you're going to be gracious, so why are you having me say this stuff? But anyway, Jonah throws a big fit, and the book of Jonah ends with him throwing a fit and God consoling him. Um, uh, or at least God kind of saying, like, who are you, man? Um, I should care about Nineveh. And what's interesting kind of from a historical perspective is the people of Nineveh who repented, they lived. God didn't destroy Nineveh. Hmm. Um, It wasn't until a generation or two later that Nineveh was destroyed. And so this is supposed to be when Nineveh was destroyed. So the people did not pay attention to God. Um, They heard God once and then they're like, eh, we're done. Uh, We're going to do what we want again. And so God is taking vengeance. So I think... Uh, probably the prophet here knows the character of God um, and would have known the character of God from hearing all of the stories of God acting in the past. Um, But maybe he's had some firsthand knowledge of God. I don't know if we have that recorded necessarily, but that's sure, surely something that someone who's close to God and talks to God and talks for God would have an understanding of God's character. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's in verse two, I mean, excuse me, verse three, the Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave guilty or leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm and clouds are the dust of his feet. It's that verse that reminds me of Job. <laughs> yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I, I looked dust. it up, Job 38. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm and starts to say all these things that he's done, that God has done. And I, for some reason that 
key verse reminded me of that passage. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah out of the whirlwind. Yeah. A storm or a gale. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, that God would speak out of that. Um, I think the beginning of this verse is great too, because it kind of is reminding us of God in the beginning, not in the beginning, God, when he deals with Jonah and he deals with Nineveh, he is slow to anger. He, yeah. he gave Nineveh a lot. He gave, he gave Nineveh a lot of second chances, but if you look at it, he gave Jonah a lot of second chances too. Right. Yeah. Um, and the, and it ends with him giving Jonah, you know, even being more patient with him. So God is slow to anger, but he's great in power and he's not going to leave guilty, uh, people. He's not going to let them go unpunished because God is a God of justice. Yeah. Um, if God didn't enact justice, if God was like, whatever, I'm just not going to do that. Um, then he wouldn't be a, a just God. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, if you've ever been wronged by someone or wronged by the world in some, you know, really significant way uh, and you don't get justice, it is it, it really takes a toll on people right. uh, not to have justice. There's kind of an unsettled nature to everything. Uh, but God doesn't let that happen. And he's powerful. And I think this is a good example of it. Right. He's he uh, he's in the whirlwind in the storm. Yeah. Clouds are the dust of his feet. He's on top of all of it, right? Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Verse four, right? He re he rebukes the sea and dries it up. When he when God rebukes the sea, it's not like nothing's left of it, yeah. is what he's saying, right? <laughs> He'll make the rivers run dry, which he had done twice before. Uh, if we look at this passage where it sits in the Bible, you know, twice before we've seen... Um, the, the Red Sea or the Reed Sea being dried up for the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. And then we also see as they're coming into the promised land with Joshua, um, the Jordan River is dried up as the people pass. Yeah. Um, and then it talks about these two places, Bashan and, and Carmel, wither and the blossoms of Lebanon fade. Um <laughs> which is kind of scary. I mean, this is a little scary. This isn't like things you want. You don't want a river to run dry, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't want the sea to dry up. You don't want all the beautiful flowers to fade. Uh, yeah. You don't want, verse five, right? The mountains quake before him and the hills melt away. Like, that's not what you want. You don't want the earth to tremble. Yeah. I feel like this is all describing Southern California. <laughs> you know, yeah, dry rivers, right? earthquakes, hills melting, like landslides after a fire, fire, yeah, earth trembling, yeah. more earthquakes. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I feel like we have experienced a, a little snapshot of some of this. We get a tiny little taste of it. You know, the last earthquake that I remember here in Southern California was the one that happened on Easter, which is like pretty crazy that it happened on Easter. Um, and it was Easter kind of midday and there was a big earthquake in Imperial Valley. I think it was kind of out there and man, it just kept shaking. It was like a slow shake. And I was with some, some friends and it's kind of a reminder that you're not in control. Yeah. <laughs> as much as you think you're in control of something, uh, you're not. And whenever nature, whenever there's something powerful event in nature, it really does remind us that, that, we're very powerless compared to God. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it goes on to say, from Nineveh has one come forth who plots evil against the Lord and desires wicked 
plans. Oof. This is like all, yeah. all kind of coming down uh, as because of one person is kind of what it seems like it's saying. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it does. It seems as if, and I don't think we have a good picture of, you know, what we knew about Nineveh kind of previous is that they worshiped a false god. They were fighters, um, the Assyrians. They were like just brutal um fighters who were who were soldiers and were really good at winning battles uh-huh. um but they weren't like god you know god's powerful they were a powerful nation but they didn't have this compassion that god has they didn't have this goodness they were worshiping a false god and so um if is that referring to one has come forth who plots evil against the lord is that maybe their false god that's being referred to is it maybe the leader of nineveh um of the assyrian uh the assyrian people could it be uh a specific you know person i don't know i don't know the answer to that one but what we do know from this is that it's somebody who's not just plotting to do bad it's to do bad against god yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, which is way worse than just plotting to do bad, right? Like, I think so, like, right? I mean, <laughs> I think of a bad, whenever I think of a bad thing, someone's plotting to do a bad thing. The first thing that comes to mind every time is a bank robbery. And I think that okay. plotting a bank robbery is not as bad. I mean, it's still bad, but it's not as bad as plotting against the Lord. <laughs> right. Yeah, plotting a bank robbery, yeah, that seems bad. Now, let's say you're plotting to steal from the church or to steal the money for orphan children or something like that uh, is universally bad, right? Yeah, okay. That's like um, worse like than that's, a bank robbery. That's pretty yeah. bad, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, Yo, that's really you're bad. really, really doing some <laughs> bad stuff. Um, you know, my, my dad we, was at a church in a uh, kind of a really rundown neighborhood, a bad neighborhood, people would say. Um, Poverty, drug addiction. There were a lot of refugee families who who lived there who were just, you know, trying to get by. And then there were also gangs that were a part of that neighborhood. And I was amazed at how often people would steal from the church and not even like think twice about it. Whoa, dang. Like people would break in windows uh, and go inside and try to steal stuff. And so the church got to the point where they're like, we just don't have things of value around here. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just not, it's not worth our time to, and our money to keep replacing expensive things just for those to be, right. you know, stolen. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it sounds like the people of Nineveh or a person in Nineveh uh, is trying to, to do something against God. Now, typically in that time, it would be to do something against God's people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because God was represented in a lot of ways by the chosen people, the people of Israel. And so if someone was plotting against the people of Israel, either to capture them or to annihilate them or to destroy the temple or to, I mean, there's all sorts of different things that they could do, but anything that was against God's people would have been seen as something that is against God. Yeah. Yeah. And then it says, starting in verse 12, this is what the Lord says. Although they have allies and are numerous, they will be destroyed and pass away. Although I have afflicted you, Judah, I will afflict you no more. Boom. Yeah. God's like, I'll just, I'm going to take care of this one shot. 
<laughs> yeah. He's like, Hey, I got this. Like, yeah. this is time. <laughs> yeah. You know, now God did not send, and maybe, maybe God did, maybe we don't know this. Maybe God did send another Jonah to them and give them the warning and say, Hey, it's coming. This is going to happen. Um, you know, maybe God did give them another warning and we don't really know about it, but, um, it seems that now it's that time is over. And I don't know, like with your parents, maybe they give you warnings like, Hey, do your homework or you're going to be grounded. Yeah. And then they come back like, Hey, this is your last warning. Do your homework or you're going to be grounded. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, finally like, Hey, you're grounded. And you're like, well, wait, you didn't give me a warning. Like, well, no, I gave you two warnings. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Didn't just give you one. I gave you a bunch. Yeah. God, God is just like that. God is like the parent that gives us a lot of warnings, which is kind of nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's nice that he's patient with us, but we don't want to test our luck because right here we can see with, with the Assyrian people with Nineveh here, He's just going for it, right? He's going to take them out. Yeah. Um, he's like, hey, you might have a lot of allies, you and there's so <laughs> many people um, that you have, but I'm going to take you out. Verse 13, right? Says to the people of Israel, now I will break their yoke from your neck and tear your shackles away, meaning he's going to give them freedom. Yeah. Um, which is so cool that God is a God of freedom. Yeah. 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 You know, in, in our country, we highly value freedom. It's one of our founding principles um, is that, you know, people would have freedom uh, from a lot for a lot of things that they would have freedom for. You know, religion is one, um, you know, people would have freedom. Like in our country, you can move from state to state and you don't like people don't say like, no, sorry, you can't do that. Um, and sometimes we take that for granted that, that we can kind of, you know, do a lot of what we want in our country. We have these freedoms. And so some people equate that to God, which is, which, you know, there's something good about that, you know, that God is a God who wants to give us freedom, uh, wants people to have freedom. Yeah. And so then the question is, well, what are you going to do with that freedom? Are you going to do good? Or are you going to do bad? Because the Assyrian people, they had tons of freedom, but they decided to plot against God. Yeah. Right. And, the God continues to speak and it gives a command concerning Nineveh. You have no descendants to bear your name. Oh my gosh. I will destroy the images and idols that are in the temple of your gods. I'll prepare your grave for you are vile. Oh my gosh. Woo. <laughs> Gnarly. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's calling him out, right? He's like, okay, here's the deal. You're not even going to have kids. I'm wiping you out completely. Yeah. Right. Uh, this is like kind of a big deal. And, um, and I, I like that he says, uh, I will destroy the images and idols that are in the temple of your gods. Our God is saying, I'm way bigger than those other gods. It's like, yeah. I know that you might spend your time worshiping a, a false God. Uh, but I'm going to wipe them out. They're like not bigger than yep. me. And like for those people, I would hope that that is a sign that uh, our God is big. You know, like the one song yeah. that we sing at our kids games, UBS program. God is bigger than big, <laughs> stronger than strong, mightier than mighty, louder than this song. And that's like so true, right? Yeah. 
It is true. And and I like it too. I, I like you brought this point up because he's going to destroy the images and idols. He's not going to destroy the other gods. Why? Because they're not real. They're false. Yeah, right. <laughs> the images and idols are just false gods. They're pretend gods. And he's like, I'm going to destroy those and take those out. I don't need to destroy the gods because they're not real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and we see that in scripture a lot where, where God calls his people to not have false gods um, to not have images and idols because it's so easy for us to worship something that we can see that's tangible, that's in front of us, than it is to worship the true God who we can't always see and we don't always see working. It's hard for us to see that sometimes. Um, but just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah. And that's what's crazy with God. Yeah. Um, because you know, like you can say, oh, well, I want to worship a God where I can actually like have a little idol or have a little image or have something where I can see the God. Cause then I know that God's real. Well, that doesn't make that God real just cause you have <laughs> a little false image. Right. Yeah. Um, in fact, in a lot of ways, if you have to have a little image for that God to be real, then it's a pretty good sign that God's not real. Yeah. The false God that you're worshiping. So right. God's like, Hey, I'm going to do it away with that. I'm going to take care of it. Uh, I'm going to prepare your grave for you are vile. Yeah, gnarly. <laughs> Oof. Uh, crazy. But, and then it takes a turn, Pat, right? Verse 15. Yeah. And it takes a turn kind of to what you were just saying a little bit. Look there on the mountains, the feet of one who bring good news, who proclaim peace, celebrate your festivals, Judah, and fulfill your vows. No more will the wicked invade you. They will be completely destroyed. It's like, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Look, they're on the, they're on the mountains, the feet of one who brings good news. Uh, what a, what a cool image. I think there's a, a, um, Oh man, I think somewhere. Oh yeah, here we go. In Romans, um, it says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> that's just a fun thing to kind of say, like how beautiful are the feet of <laughs> one who brings good news. Yeah. Um, which is true, man. You know, if you're waiting for that good letter in the mail or, you know, there's certain days where your email folder is like a curse to you. And there's certain days when it's like a blessing, um, <laughs> you know, where you're like excited to look at email and certain days where you're not excited to look at email or yeah. maybe that's true of your, you know, Facebook feed or Instagram feed or your, your <laughs> Snapchat or whatever. Like there's certain days when it's a blessing to open up your phone and look at all your contacts with people. And in some days where it's not, but if good news is coming, man, it makes everything better. Yep. And the good news is peace. Yeah. So here we have God bringing two great things to his people. Yeah. Uh, peace and freedom. Yeah. And I don't want to sound too like, you know, patriotic, proud to be an American, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think, <laughs> I think those are values at the core of the people of our country today that are hard to argue against, right? It's hard to argue against peace and freedom. Yeah. If we can have those things, most people are like, yeah, those are universally good things, peace and freedom. Right, yeah. Um, but those that peace and freedom is going to allow God's people to have their festivals, which their festivals are effectively worship services to God. Yeah. And then he makes this promise, no more will the wicked invade you. Yeah. They will be completely destroy. Yeah. Now awesome. this is not, this is not going to be forever. 
We know this from the history of the people of Israel. I mean, Jesus hasn't even shown up yet. Um, and when Jesus shows up, he does so with Roman occupation. Hmm. Um, and if you even look up into, into modern times, I mean, think about um, the Holocaust, right? Here's God's people who are still God's chosen people, right? The people of Israel are being oppressed by evil and the most evil. If you ask someone who's the evilest person to ever live, many people would say Hitler. Yeah. They would say that right out of the gate because of the evil that, that he did. So when we look at this verse and we think about God's people, God's chosen people, we know that evil still exists. We know that sometimes evil wins some battles, but ultimately the war of uh, that, that is raging on, right? God has won that war. And there will be a day when evil will be completely destroyed, where well, where wickedness will be completely destroyed and peace and freedom will reign completely. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's devotional. We hope you learned something and you, I hope that that one thing, if you didn't hear anything else, you heard us say one of these verses is printed on an In-N-Out wrapper. <laughs> There you go. go. Check those burgers. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right. Have a good rest of your day. Bye, everyone.